Acts chapter 8, chapter 1, pardon me, verse 8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. This evening I want to talk to us about walking and witnessing. Would you tell someone near you that? Walking and witnessing. If you're going to have a good attitude, you may be seated. Praise God. Guess I'm one of the few people with a bad attitude. <laughs> Tonight I am uh, continuing the underlying theme of our Wednesday night uh, teaching uh, theme this month. Have you ever heard the expression, you can't have your cake? Yeah, it's good. You know, either you can admire the beauty of one of Brother Brad Fain's majestic creations, or you can eat it and enjoy it. But you can't have it both ways, right? And to be sure, the Bible demonstrates some very clear either-or truths, principles. You either enter in the narrow gate of submission and consecration, which leads to life, or you enter in the wide gate of self-will and carnality, which leads to destruction. You either will spend eternity with the Lord in a place called heaven, or you will spend eternity separated from the Lord in a place called hell. But much of the Bible is not about either or. It is much more instead about this and that opportunities and expectations. And if you have any tenure at this church, you know that that is a principle that we believe in and abide by this and that. Pastor John's taught on May the 5th about grace and grit. Not grits, grit. Amen? The following Wednesday, last Wednesday, he taught on being holy and being human. Attendance must have collapsed last Wednesday. <laughs> the Bible demonstrates that we are to be committed to evangelism and discipleship. The Bible is very clear that as disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, pursuing Christ-likeness, that both inward and outward holiness matters to the Lord. And so it is with our text this evening when Jesus told his disciples, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the utter most or the end of the earth. Jesus provided a very clear and unambiguous direction to his disciples just prior to his ascension. He said, be filled with the Spirit and be a witness to me. And so to fulfill the Lord's commandment and to be found faithful to what God has called us to do, that requires both walking in the Spirit and witnessing of His saving grace, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is this and that. 
walking with God in the spirit and witnessing of the power of God at work in our life. Amen. If Jesus taught his disciples anything, in fact, he taught them that they were both dependent on him and responsible for doing what he had called them to do. Matthew, Matthew, excuse me, John instead, not Matthew, John chapter 15 and verse 1. I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. You've already been pruned and purified by the message I've given you. And they breathe a sigh of relief, right? Nobody likes to be pruned. Then Jesus said, remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. That's pretty clear, right? But notice that it's not him or us. It's him and us. It's God in us working through us to accomplish his purpose and his will. But as he's in us and as we strive for him to work through us, we must always look in the mirror and understand that apart from Jesus Christ, we can do nothing. Amen? You can quote 742 scriptures. You can be an apologetic genius and absolutely fall flat on your face and influence not one soul if you are not filled and full of the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? We are to be filled with the Spirit. We are dependent upon our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so no wonder that Jesus would repeatedly assure his disciples over and over and over, I will never abandon you. I will always be with you. Over and over, he assured them in John 14 and 16. He said, I'll pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells in with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. No wonder that Paul would repeatedly pray for and teach that first century church that they were to live and walk in the Spirit. His prayer in Ephesians 3 and 16 was, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources that he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. In that same epistle in chapter 5 and verse 18, 
He said, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. In Romans 12 and 1, which is a familiar passage to many of us, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So I say, without a doubt, we are desperately dependent on the Holy Spirit to do what he's called us to do. Amen? You can ask God to lay anybody's name on your heart that you want. But if you are not walking in the Spirit, you're going to have a hard time reaching that soul. We are dependent. Look at somebody beside you and say, I'm dependent. As Americans, that kind of doesn't feel very good to say, right? I'm a cowboy and stand on my own. I'm a maverick. I don't do anything for anybody. I am my own person. Right. Good luck with that mantra, especially in eternity. We are dependent on the Spirit. You know what? But that's okay. Because even in the most extreme circumstances, God assures us through his word that his spirit will equip and empower us to be an effective witness. You cannot dream of a scenario that the spirit cannot enable you to be an effective witness then and there. This is what Jesus said in Luke chapter 12 and verse 11. And when you are brought to trial in the synagogues and before rulers and authorities, don't worry about how to defend yourself or what to say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what needs to be said. Amen? So needless to say, if we are going to please God, and if we are going to be found faithful to what he's called us to do, then you and I must be filled with the Holy Spirit. We must walk in the Spirit. We must live in the Spirit because I, this is not probably true, I'm sure, for no one under the sound of my voice, certainly not for those of you here in the sanctuary or those watching online, but I, I can go from zero to carnality in 10 seconds flat. Now, not you, don't be offended. I'm just talking about me. I have to live in the Spirit. I can't, I, can't, I can't rely upon what happened yesterday or what happened Sunday or what happened to Youth Congress or there was this great revival or Brother Herring came through. That doesn't work for me. I have to walk in the Spirit. I have to live in the Spirit because I can go from faith to frustrated in no time flat. I can go from being selfless and giving of myself to the kingdom to being a selfish hoarder of my time and my talent and my treasure. I can go from having compassion on the people that surround me to condemnation for everybody that's around me. I have to live in the spirit. I've got to walk in the Spirit. I have to be renewed in the Spirit. And without the renewing power of the Spirit in me, I am worthless to the kingdom of God. Amen. 
Maybe this is one of the reasons Paul was so direct to the Galatian Christians. In Galatians 3 and 3, he said, Are you so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? In chapter 5 and verse 16, he said, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. In 5 and 25, he said, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. And so the biblical witness is clear and exhaustive, fulfilling Jesus' command and being found faithful by him requires that we walk in the Spirit. It takes walking in the Spirit to please God. But Pentecost wasn't a private party. Acts 2 is not just about what happened in the upper room. It's about what spilled over into the public domain. It's about the opportunity that was created for Peter to give the inaugural witness to the lordship and salvation of Jesus Christ. A message that culminated in Peter giving the whole world forever the keys to what it meant to be in a saving relationship with Jesus Christ a message affirmed by the whole witness of Scripture. And Peter simply said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That was what Acts 2 was all about. On that day of Pentecost, the disciples and about 3,000 other believers were undeniably filled with the Spirit. Would you agree with that? But they did not just huddle in small groups enjoying the blessings of the Spirit. They went everywhere witnessing to the saving power of Jesus Christ. They were filled and then they went. They were full and so they spoke of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice how Peter who mere days before had shrunk back in a cowardly denial before a mere slave girl intimidated and denying the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, mere days later, but full of the Spirit, Peter stands boldly before governing authorities who can allow him to live or they can sentence him to die. And under that pressure, Peter, in Acts chapter 4 and verse 8, filled with the Holy Spirit said to them, rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to this helpless man, the lame man who had been healed, by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone, nor is their salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. 
that took a lot of guts and a lot of courage from a guy who let a slave girl back him into a corner of denial. But now Peter is a different man because now the Bible makes clear, filled with the Holy Ghost. And filled with the Holy Ghost, Peter can look death square in the eyes and say there is salvation in no other name than the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And though threatened on every side, as unfolds in the book of Acts, notice how the first church did not merely pray for protection and provision. Instead, they prayed for boldness and to be a witness. Acts chapter 4, verse 29. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done by your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they assembled was together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spoke the word of God with boldness. They walked in the spirit and they gave witness to the spirit, walking and witnessing. Amen. And the early church doing this, the early church walking in the spirit and giving witness to the lordship of Jesus Christ, that they did that should not surprise us. It's what Jesus told them to do. It was the culmination of everything Jesus had taught them for three and a half years. In Mark 12 and 29, Jesus answered uh, this lawyer trying to, trying to uh, entrap the Lord. And Jesus said, the first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord with all of your heart and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second, like it, is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Pretty clear, right? Love God and love your neighbor. In Luke 24 and 46, just prior to his ascension, Jesus said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. See the pattern Jesus gave? Loving God and loving people. Empowered by the Spirit and preaching to all nations. In other words, walking and witnessing. Walking and witnessing. And so just like them, just like the first century church, just like the disciples, just like the apostles, you and I must walk in the Spirit. We cannot just be content to be touched by the Spirit. We cannot just be content to taste the Spirit and have our conscience soothed, but we must dive headfirst 
into the overflowing rivers of living water, the power of the Spirit. Amen. And out of that, our lives are to be a living witness to the residing and presiding power of the Holy Spirit. Christ in us, the hope of glory. This is who we're called to be. And this is what we are called to do. We are called to walk in the Spirit and we are called to be a witness of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, the inexhaustible grace of depending upon Him is coupled with the determined grit of you opening up your mouth. I don't know why, but the divine grace of God has chosen human grit to accomplish its purpose. Is what Brother John's taught, grace and grit. And so now we see it out, the outflow in this part of our life. It is walking with God and it is witnessing to the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Walking and witnessing. Would you say that to someone by you? Walking and witnessing. Thank you. I love the story of Philip. In Acts chapter 8, persecution strikes the church hard. But Philip, he escapes to Samaria and he never ceases to preach the Lord Jesus Christ. And would you believe it? Those Samaritans who had a little bit of God and a little bit of paganism mixed with a whole lot of humanism, those Samaritans responded believed and acted in faith. Those people in the wrong neighborhood, the bad zip code, the dark side of town, crime rate soaring, people afraid to drive down the road. In that neighborhood, those people believed and responded to the witness of this Jew called Philip. And they responded with faith and obedience. And what follows in Acts chapter 8 is essentially a citywide revival. And it was marked by wonder-working power. It was marked by faith and repentance. It was marked by mass baptisms in the name of the Lord Jesus. It was marked by exuberant joy. And it was marked by the outpouring of the Holy Spirit as evidenced by speaking in other tongues. It was a real deal. It was the whole deal. And it was what we pray for in Jesus' name. And you know what happened? Philip skyrocketed up the chart of, you know, oneness believer power chart. I mean, he was, he was in the power rankings. He went from like down in the 50s all the way up to the top three. I mean, it was Peter and it was James and it was Philip. In this week, because of what was going on with Samaria, he had invitations coming in left and right. There wasn't a pulpit that didn't want him to come and speak. I mean, there wasn't a pastor that didn't want him to come rub his magic oil on their congregation and turn their city upside down. He was the man, the real deal in demand. That was Philip. But Philip didn't get stupid. Philip did not disconnect from the spirit. When we see Philip's testimony, Philip just walked with God. Philip lived in the Spirit. Philip was filled with the Spirit and walked in the Spirit. And because he walked in the Spirit, an angel showed up and redirected him. 
in Acts 8, chapter 26, and the angel said, Arise, go down to the south toward the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. So Philip goes from citywide euphoria to a lonely, dusty desert road with one dude, maybe with a security detail, sitting in a chariot uh, alongside the road. But that one dude happened to be an influential Ethiopian official, government official, and that one guy happened to be a sincere God follower behind all of the facade of his position, title, and ethnicity. And that one guy just happened to be reading Isaiah 53. And Philip just happened to be led by the Spirit, walking in the Spirit. And verse 29 said, So the Spirit said to Philip, Go near and overtake this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, Do you understand what you're reading? And he said, How can I unless someone guides me? This is T-ball set up from the Lord. I mean, it's about as big as a beach ball. You've got the biggest bat you can hold, and all you've got to do is just let your wrist go limp, and you're going to hit that sucker. That's what Jesus set up for him right here. And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. Then Philip opened up his mouth. He was full of the Holy Ghost. He was led by the Holy Ghost. He had angels talking to him. But when the man said, come up here and talk to me, Philip didn't just start talking in tongues. Philip opened up his mouth, and starting at that scripture, he preached Jesus to him. He was filled with the Spirit, but Philip still had to open up his mouth and speak in a language that man could understand. And starting there, Philip simply preached the Lord Jesus Christ. Walking in the Spirit, Philip wasn't some super-duper natural. God didn't give him some special jelly bean at his baptism. Uh, he, you know, we don't even, he, he, he didn't necessarily, he was just an ordinary guy, but he was filled with the Spirit, and he walked in the Spirit, and the Spirit positioned Philip to be in the right place at the right time to be an effective witness of the Lord Jesus Christ he witnessed to an entire village on one hand, and he witnessed to one dude who was influential on the other hand. Philip didn't let it bother him. He just walked and witnessed, walked and witnessed, walked and witnessed. This is a beautiful picture of what Jesus promised and commanded in our text. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. What a God. This is our privilege, and this is our responsibility, walking in the Spirit and witnessing of His saving gospel. Like Philip, we, we've got to be sensitive to where people are. We've got to strive to be a witness who is sensitive to the Spirit. You can't be a bull in a china shop just because you want to bring someone to the Lord Jesus Christ. You need, 
We need, I need the Spirit to order my steps. I need the Spirit to make detours become divine appointments. I need the Spirit that in an hour and in a situation that if I had time to think about it, I'd be intimidated out of my mind. But in the moment and in the hour, the Holy Spirit is upon me and the Holy Spirit anoints my mind and anoints my prep and anoints my study and anoints my walk and I can be an effective witness of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We simply have to be led by the Spirit and start wherever they are at. I mentioned in an earlier devotion just recently, if they have a question about a specific passage in the Bible, hallelujah, start there and lead them to Jesus Christ. If they think the Bible is a fantasy book, hallelujah, start there and just tell them your story. Amen? If they're battling fear, start there and talk about the peace of Jesus Christ. If they're sick in their body, start there and talk about the power, the healing power of Jesus Christ. If they're confused about their identity, then just start that our identity is in Christ alone and through Christ I can do all things and he has made me in his image and I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Just start there. Wherever they're at, start there and point them to Jesus. Amen. Because our world, our world is filled with people. People who are desperately dependent and looking for hope and peace and purpose and meaning and identity and power. That's what they're looking for. They're hungry for a God they may not even know. But we know him. His name is Jesus. That's why you and I must consistently pray in the Spirit. Jude said, beloved, building yourself up on your most holy faith, that holy gospel message, praying in the Holy Spirit. Like the first church in Acts 4, we must pray in the Spirit for boldness to speak His Word and the demonstration of His power to affirm His Word. Like Paul, we must pray in the Spirit until we can boldly join Him in saying, I am not ashamed of the gospel of, the, of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. This is what Jesus was teaching us, walking and witnessing. It is who we are called to be, and it is what we are called to do. Amen? If you're able, please stand. Walking and witnessing. Loving God and loving people. Upon this hangs all the commandments. 
So while you're stressing out about your to-do list and your prayer list, there's a high purpose to be accomplished in your life. And if you can connect in the Spirit to God's purpose for your life, if you can walk in the Spirit, God's going to lead you to people who are hungry for Him. And you don't get to decide who they are. Only God knows. And God can put them in your heart. God can randomly bring you into their life. But He'll order your steps. And He'll direct your path into a divine connection with a hungry soul that was worth saving. And in that moment, with eternity hanging in the balance, you and I must be walking in the Spirit. So that we can be witnessing of the grace and the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I wonder this evening to great people who love God and are faithful. I'm wondering if somehow in the next few moments, because it's early, if we could pray a prayer to say, God, yet again, I want to align myself to my assignment. I'm asking you, Lord God, again, to renew my heart, my mind, and my spirit by the power of your Holy Spirit. Because only by your Spirit can I be who you called me to be and can I do what you've called me to do.